Hello and welcome to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast. My name is Michael Williamson and I'm here today with Mac Cordell, reporter. Kayleen Petrovia, reporter. Ali Lanassa, reporter. And Chad Williamson, managing editor. All right. So today on the show, we decided we were going to talk about some of the investment that has gone into the historical buildings in uh, some of our communities. Uh, many of the buildings located in the downtown areas of like a Marysville or Plain City, you know, were built in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and um, you know, have required some upkeep and renovation over the years. So we wanted to talk about the process of doing that and kind of what some plans are for uh, some of those local buildings, what they're being used for now, and maybe some future um, future ideas, and kind of how that you know leads to, to preservation of some of the historic buildings in town. So where did you guys want to start? Uh, probably with Kayleen covering Plain City. Plain City has been doing. For a smaller village, Plain City's been doing a lot over the last few years to kind of uh, get some of their buildings up to shape and and things like that. So probably Kayleen with Plain City is a good place to start. Yeah, um, like Chad said, in the uptown of Plain City, over just the past couple of years, several buildings have really taken on new life and new uses there. Um, most recently, last week, we had a story about probably the most iconic Plain City building, the one with the clock tower, um, 101 South Chillicothe Street. It's most recently been known as Teak Talk, the antiques building, antique store. Um, but now there are plans to make it into a brewery and full-service restaurant, an Ohio-based restaurant called Moeller Brew Barn. Um, so really taking on a completely different use than it has in the past. It'll serve food, drinks. There are plans to put a beer garden outside, too. Um, so that's kind of emblematic of the changes that have occurred in Plain City. I know a lot of people have seen the granary come into use, also Pioneer Pizza, which is right next door. Even the former municipal building has been purchased, and there are plans to turn that into a co-working kind of startup business office space so a lot of buildings that have been vacant for years and years or are maybe more discreet like the antique store are now becoming uses that are bringing a lot of vibrancy to the uptown and even drawing people from out of town to plain city um and plain city's mayor jody carney has talked about how this is really part of the administration's vision and of course they desire to preserve the history of plain city and Plain City residents care a lot about these buildings that have been there for hundreds of years, but they really see it as in order to do so, they need to bring new uses to these historic buildings. And they want to be very involved in the process, but um, Mayor Carney has indicated that really one of the only ways to keep these buildings standing is to attract private investment. So even with Moeller Brew Barn, the investors plan on putting over two and a half million dollars into the project, which is something that the village simply just doesn't have money to do on their own. And that was kind of the case with the former municipal building. It's known as one of the oldest previously residential <laughs> buildings, homes in the village, but it just wasn't functional as a municipal building anymore. And the village ultimately opted to build a whole new municipal center with the hope that someone would invest, keep this building around, and bring new life to it, which is what's going to happen. So Mayor Carney has said it's really about striking a balance, she put it really eloquently, between appreciating our heritage and modernizing for the future. So that's really the path that Plain City is trying to take, and they've been pretty successful with it over these past couple years. I know 
Chad and Mac, you guys have talked about the building that's now Pioneer Pizza. And boy, that was if that wasn't a yeoman's task, that thing. I don't know how they got anybody. I don't know how they got a crew to work in there because honestly, when when you stood near it, like you could see it was leaning, and like I would have been nervous if, as a crew member. I'd have been nervous going in there and walking on the floor or doing anything that that second floor and the roof would have collapsed right in on top of me. That you had to think there had there had to be coming to a point where there's other buildings in that area. They had to be thinking. It might be a danger at some point and have to take that thing down completely. Right. And, you know, Tim Dawson's the one who's re- who renovated that, and he renovated, of course, uh, the greenery building. And he's I think he's got other plans in town. That's right, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. You know, and some I think sometimes some people kind of got on him for the speed with which he wanted to work. That might be the building where he may have had no choice because, quite honestly, I mean— some people may not agree with taking a building like that, turning it into a pizza place and running some other things out into it, but I got to think that thing was going to topple or have to be taken down. So it might have been him saving it or nothing in that regard because, boy, I didn't realize it until you guys had mentioned it. And then the next time I went through Plain City, I, I took a long look, and mm-hmm. I, I was shocked at how unstable that thing— this is pre, obviously, pre-renovation— <laughs> when it was kind of hollowed out how terrible that thing looked and, and like you said, the the leaning tower, leaning tower of pizza, pioneer pizza. Right. (laughs) And yeah, I know even when that renovation started, um, before I was with the paper and covering plain city, but I know throughout the renovation of the building, um, Tim Dawson and those working on it encountered a lot of structural issues that they didn't even anticipate and ended up having to pour more money into the project than they expected to. And I think that really underlines Mayor Carney and Plain City's administration's understanding that they need private investors to do this because even if there was some type of grant money available to them or village funding in and of itself, a lot of times you are going to run into issues that are unforeseen with a building that was built in the 1800s or even early 1900s. And unless it's someone driven to turn a profit there, it's really hard to put the amount of money into it that's necessary. And that's something that Mayor Carney said was really pleasant about working towards this Moeller Brew Barn is the investors in this building are also the pair that purchased the former municipal building and really have a desire to kind of take these old historic buildings in Plain City and make them into something new. And she said they're just really appreciative that there are people who want to invest in the village and want to put she said put their own money into our town which i don't know if in decades past was something that plain city was really drawing people to do so i think it's exciting that plain city administration and their zoning inspector as well have been actively meeting with potential businesses and saying like hey here's a building we have and we want to help bring your vision to it which is what happened with moeller brew barn um Jody said that they walked through, Mayor Carney said that they walked through the building with Race Robinson and Andy Warnock, the two who purchased it, and were able to, with their zoning inspector, with their village administrator and Mayor Carney, talk with the people who purchased it and kind of visualize, she said, what they saw it becoming. So they're really working to, of course, 
bring private money, but make sure that elected officials and those that residents have chosen to represent their village are involved in the process too, which I think speaks to that delicate line between maintaining the history but bringing something new. Well, I think some of the problem, and I know Marysville went through this, and I don't know about Plain City's history, but Marysville's downtown went through a period of time where a very few number of people were acquiring most of the buildings. Mm-hmm. And they weren't necessarily doing it to put money into them or make them new. They bought them to kind of ride them down. They bought them cheaply, almost like the way a hedge fund will buy right, something that's what and, I thought was. And, and either break it up or just bleed the profit out of it for a short period of time. And then, oh, well, you know, you know, I'm out. You know, Marysville went through a period where a lot of the buildings were being bought up, but but the owners weren't putting money into them. It's, I think Plain City and Marysville are both seeing some growth and potent and even more future growth, which is kind of helping with the fact that, you know, Tim Dawson started by by building that. And an interesting question would be: Would these two would these two new investors be as interested if Tim Tim Dawson didn't start out by kind of reworking that other block? Because we've heard some other people say before, there's a synergy among mm-hmm. development and restaurants or eateries, you know, bars. They kind of like to have it as a destination area as opposed to one nice thing out by itself. I don't know if you remember, but Jason Shumway uh, bought a building on the other side of the street maybe two years before uh, Tim Dawson did. And I think he kind of started that. And he, he had hoped, I think, to put some other buildings in and he just he never did but but then is that I, where that land of joe's went is that where you're talking about i think that's across yes, the street yeah, wasn't yeah 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 but it's you know it, it's nice it's a lot of money i mean two and a half million dollars in plain city and i have no idea what tim dawson has put in mm-hmm. you know that block he's working on with with other plans but uh, you know i know i was i was in Delaware this weekend and I hadn't been I went to school over there but I, did, I don't necessarily hang out over there and I was kind of walking around their streets and there's a lot more there than there was even when I went to college over there there were some you know I remember on one of the on the main square there there was a there was a bookstore there when I went to college and they turned that into a coffee shop little eatery thing which maybe you've seen well now upstairs of that is a bar that has live music above this thing that was just a like a plain bookstore that they turned into like this two-level thing. And they've got a lot of different kind of little shops. And like the place where I ate was a barbecue place, but they said, actually, you know, we're short on stuff because we're switching over to Korean barbecue next month because they thought that would sell better, but they were going to stay in business. It was it was interesting to see, because visually maybe downtown Delaware didn't look like anything was changing, but the storefronts are a lot different than they were when I was there. And Plain City, I mean, Marysville and Plain City, I think, have had their share of empty storefronts. So when you see somebody investing $2.5 million and whatever, mm-hmm. Tim, you know, those guys together are an easy $5 million investment in, mm-hmm. in downtown Plain City into what were just old buildings that— mm-hmm. We're going to fall apart if nobody worked on them. I did want to ask a, a bit of a housekeeping question of you, Kayleen. When you say the old municipal building, like, do you mean the little water building or do you mean the one that's the fire, the old fire hall building? So the former municipal building is at 
231 South Chillicothe, right behind the TikTok. And when they purchased that, they actually purchased, um, let me go ahead and look and see. It's both of those buildings, okay. but it's almost 22,000 square feet of land. Okay. So almost <laughs> municipal compound is the wrong phrase to use, but it's everything except for the water tower area back there, okay. which is still village maintained. So it's not just the singular house. Okay. Mike, was this something you were going to get in there on? Yeah, I just, I wanted to ask, you know, you had mentioned that, that, uh, two and a half million dollar number and if I, I guess maybe does some of that include those other buildings then because um, one of the questions that I had obviously is you know I've having covered that uh, some of the kind of stories around the clock tower you know a big part of that conversation was renovation of the clock of, of the roof which the the current owner you know went through a lot of a lot of sort of trouble with and came to council a few times uh, about and so I was just kind of curious with that number do you do you know Kayleen like how that money is being divided up? Does some of it go into renovation or is that all like for the the upcoming business? Yes, so acquisition of the building was $900,000. So they bought the building itself for $900,000. And then according to a tax abatement application that the investors filed, they're planning to put 1 million into improvements to the existing building. And then for machinery and equipment, everything for the restaurant, that'll be half a million. And then furniture and fixtures, a quarter million. So one million will be for improvements to the building, but probably an important note, kind of based on what you said, the village is going to maintain ownership of the clock itself. So the way Mayor Carney described it to me is the village will be maintaining their property on someone else's building so i was going to ask that dumb question was that building once a municipal building or how did the clock end up on a private privately owned building yeah does anybody know honestly i don't know the full history but i know recently it's been mostly retail shops i know it was a hardware store at one Mm -hmm. point so i don't know with the founding of the village that was something municipal but i so i have never gotten a full answer on that question i know that the that the clock has been the villages and the building was privately owned and i'm sure mike remembers you know any number of times a building owner would come saying that the clock was leaking into their building or somebody came in to repair the clock and walked across their rubber roof and damaged their roof and so it was leaking into their building and it has been a real, uh, real problem because a getting access to and b this is an old clock that keeps leaking into the building. But I never got a, I never got a full answer as to how this came to be that the city owned the or that the village owned the clock on top of the building, but not the building. Do you Mike, know, Mike? If I'm not mistaken, I, I don't know 100 percent sure, but if if I'm not mistaken, I think. So the, the clock uh, was, I think, dedicated to the city in 1902. And I think before that, the, the existing building, I believe, was uh, a hardware store or some kind of um, you know, goods store at that time, uh, ahead of time. So it was already kind of an existing building. And then when the, when the clock was dedicated to the town, it kind of just it became an additional piece to the property that was already a kind of privately owned thing, if I, if I remember correctly. They That's just put it on solution. top of the building? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 it had an existing building, and then they, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, there was a, a businessman who had donated the, the clock to the village, and then they just kind of added it to that spot being kind of a center of town location. Yeah, right. from my understanding, it's always been a private building, and 
public clock tower. Right, that's what I always knew too, but I never under I never knew. This is why. exceptionally strange. It's exceptionally strange. I guess we should have looked into the history of that thing a little more, but that's that's a crazy uh, a public private partnership. You know, but, uh, that's what they're looking for. But it has, you know, it has caused problems in the past mm-hmm. because. And ideally, moving forward, they'll have the experience of kind of working with another business owner. I know even in the tax abatement applications, there have been stipulations regarding how the clock itself will be maintained. So hopefully they'll kind of lay out the guidelines for that to begin with. And also the individuals who are renovating the clock tower building into this new restaurant have some experience turning historic buildings into restaurants. one of the investors helped to turn an antique bookstore in Hilliard into a barbecue place. Moeller Brew Barn itself has a location in Troy that is in a historic church. Their brewery is. So hopefully these individuals have some experience that the village and the investors can work together and kind of maintaining this. I'm a little shocked that they have. They're going to be underneath the the symbol of Plain City, at least, that's in some of their letterhead and things like that, and they're yeah. not using that in the name. Mm-hmm. You know, that they wouldn't... I think something. just because the the restaurant itself already exists. It started in Maria Stein, and so the investors are partner, partnering with this existing restaurant, so maybe they aren't able to change the name of it. But I wouldn't be surprised if the beer garden outside is named, like, the Clock Tower Beer Garden or yeah, something like it seems that. Like, it seems like a missed opportunity if you don't... <laughs> Cold one at the If clock. you don't, you know, right, you're serving, you know... Serving. And this is still very early in discussions. Um, the tax abatement request is with the Jonathan Alder Board of Education right now, and then it will become come before council for approval or rejection but if approved from there the developers will start creating plans so we haven't really seen um, renderings yet of what the restaurant itself will actually look like but I'm sure if they targeted the clock tower building that has to be a prominent part of their design are they is that then Tim Dawson with the other block and all those did he get similar abatements did he go through similar processes so Um, On West Main Street, which is where the granary is, just a little bit farther down on what kind of look like row homes, um, Tim Dawson applied for abatements for 156, which is the former Plain City Food Pantry. People probably know it as that. And then the one next door, which is 160. Um, They approved an abatement for one of those, but rejected the abatement for the other. It's a specific type of abatement called a community reinvestment area. So it's to incentivize developing these historic buildings, essentially. But a stipulation of it is that work can't have already begun on the building if you want to apply for this CRA abatement. And with the building that was rejected, Tim Dawson had already replaced windows there. So it became kind of a matter of semantics and council was divided on whether that constitutes work beginning or not but they ultimately didn't approve that one. But he has gotten abatements on other projects that have kind of helped him to leverage renovating them. And with those two buildings, I will say, um, I talked to their zoning inspector when the abatements came before council, and there aren't specific plans that have been submitted to the zoning department yet, but the requested uses have come before her. So 
with one of the buildings, he wants it to be retail and restaurant, and then the other one, retail and residential. I know in design review board and coming before council, there have been suggestions from Tim Dawson that it could be stores on the lower level and then apartment units above, or a restaurant on the lower level and apartment units above. So that's what could kind of happen. Starting from the greenery, it could move down that block. Um, I think people would be very excited to, to see that. And I don't know if you've been to the greenery. I have. It's a really, like, it's a really nice facility. Yeah. It, it's really cool. It, it brings people in. People I've, people from Marysville go there and eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend from Mount Sterling, yeah, Mount Sterling said, tell me, yeah, I was in Plain City the other day. And I said, what, what were you in Plain City for? He said, we went up, me and my, me and my wife went to the greenery. Uh, and I said, great, how was it? How was it? And they said they had a really good time. The food was fantastic. It's a it's an interesting outdoor space to mm-hmm. be in the middle of a town in that it feels closed in because it's bracketed mm-hmm. by the other buildings. So, you know, it, it's an interesting space and it's 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 pretty cool. It's pretty dynamic for mm-hmm. being in the middle of of Plain City. For him to have been able to kind of conceptualize that and and make that happen right there in the middle of some uh, some existing buildings is is really an, it's an interesting structure. Mm-hmm. But, um, to your point, Mac, that's something that Mayor Carney has said in talking about bringing Moeller here is that Plain City administration wants the village to become a destination, not just the uptown for residents to patronize, but for out-of-town people right. to say, hey, we could go to uptown Plain City for dinner. And I mean, I've seen that sentiment reflected in council meetings. There are people who come out and speak really passionately about what the greenery has done for the village in Of course, there are people who, um, detractors who are upset about changes to historic buildings. And I think I don't want to minimize that because there are plenty of people who feel that way as well. But even among those who are concerned about historic preservation, I think there has been some, some individuals who are vocal about, I like that Plain City is a place people are excited to go to. And this seems like just the beginning for them. And people have come out and said, you know, we didn't used to have things going on in our uptown And now my friends who live in Dublin or my friends who live in Columbus ask me if they want to meet up in my town for the weekend. There's that, too, that Tim Dawson has done. He kind of, uh, he's done the rock around the clock. Yep. Rock under the clock or... Rock the clock. Rock the clock. (laughs) Yeah, that one. One of those three. (laughs) But, you know, he's bringing in some kind of national entertainment now. And, and, you know, they've kind of got a a street party kind of thing that can Mm -hmm. serve as a homecoming for some people. And... And things like that. I know when Marysville does things like that, or whether it's the Balloon Fest or the Bicentennial, it tends to serve as a homecoming, mm-hmm. you know, and people will kind of build summer trips around that and come back for things like that. So that was really something Plain City pretty desperately needed, and he's, he's I, done pretty well organizing that. I look at, as weird as it sounds, the none of this would have been possible without the bypass. Like for years and years and years, they tried to get the bypass. Big semi trucks would come through and you could not park in the uptown because no car was safe in the uptown the curbs in plain city were all torn up because the trucks would just run over the curbs the trucks would run on the sidewalks um you it was noisy you couldn't park you didn't want to walk on the sidewalks it was miserable and and they'd they'd been planning a bypass for years and years and years and when they finally got it done that really opened up the uptown for people to to invest in the uptown as well as to hold events kind of in the uptown so and to add to that i know i've emphasized throughout this discussion plain city's desire to attract private investors 
but Plain City clearly sees a vision for making this uptown a community hub, really. And last year they spent a significant amount of money renovating their uptown streetscape, kind of half of it. And right now they're working with a planning and engineering firm to create an uptown redevelopment plan. And Plain City has budgeted money to continue to pour into that. What kind of things are they going to do with that? Redoing the sidewalks, adding brick pavers to sidewalks, adding areas that seating and tables can be added. Parklets. Yeah. (laughs) Parklets. They redid the alley next to... um, Eric Medici's building Mm -hmm. as well. They've worked on that to create it a pedestrian walkway. So they want to make it more connected and walkable, but honestly just prettier, working on the aesthetics of it also. I remember probably 15 years ago, uh, and I think Sandy Atkins was probably the mayor and and probably uh, Steve Hilbert was the administrator. I mean, it was a long time ago. They had this plan and they developed a plan to, to bring the uptown up. And when I first saw it, I thought, there's absolutely no... Like, it, it was beautiful, but I thought, this... No, this will never work in Plain City. And to their credit, they kind of... Um, it wasn't legislative. It was, I guess, quasi-legislative, where they let it... Hey, let it direct some of their steps without it dictating their steps. And they are really working towards making a lot of those things that that seemed impossible and really cool ideas, but just not something feasible for Plain City. And little bit by little bit, just chopping away at it and making a really nice uptown. And even in adding parking for residents Mm. or out of town people to park in, I mean, part of the deal in selling the former municipal buildings is that the parking area is going to be maintained by the village and become public parking. And then you also have Lovejoy Plaza parking. So Plain City definitely has a long-term vision of what they want to happen, and the renovation of these individual buildings are kind of playing into that mm-hmm. goal for the future. So what else? Well, I suppose we can pivot over to Richwood at this point. Um, they have a more difficult... As as the growth comes from Columbus and sprawls towards us, Plain City catches it, Marysville. Jerome, obviously, Marysville's catching it. Richwood's not necessarily you know, in the first wave of that growth coming into the to the county. But, you know, I know they've been doing things with their roadways and, and obviously the Opera House place and all that that they want to, you know, renovate. So what kind of things do they have going on uptown? Sure. Um, so a trading post sporting store that sells and trades guns has recently opened an old stream seamstress building. Um and then across from the library on West Ottawa Street and um, South Franklin, they are apparently going to have a new restaurant there that's supposed to open in the spring or summer. I have not seen any improvements there yet. There's just a banner in the window. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And I know that Mayor Scott Drew has always stressed that in the future, he really wants to be able to expand North and South Franklin Street so that parking um, is wider because there's a lot of big trucks that drive through and their parking is slanted and so a lot of the trucks stick out and that's like his goal he even mentioned that last night that he really wants to be able to like maybe add a foot on each side 
in the future um, to be able to have um, more space in parking. So that's some things that are like coming up and have been discussed. Also at the Opera House, um, they still have not determined a specific use for it, but I know that they're in talks and trying to figure out better ways to engage the community. Um, they started having some tours. Um, they are allowed to do tours of less than 10 people. And so they had members from the Richwood Civic Center came over um, and they took a tour and they're trying to start inviting like other local groups and businesses to come along and kind of see and hopefully maybe get some funding from people that see the building. Um, and so that's that's begun and they've they've been talking with um, the farmers market that's supposed to return in June in Richwood to maybe have a table set up at the farmers market where people can learn about the opera house then maybe go up and do a tour um, so that's on the table as well as they're doing improvements to the building they recently got about four thousand dollars in donations from um, Dustin Lowe who's a local historian and author from his book sales and then actually the individuals that went on that tour from the Civic Center donated $65 after seeing it and they were just <laughs> like oh like this is really exciting that they're doing this so it's a small they had donation. their pocketbook right. <laughs> sure so it's a small donation but it's nice that the tours are clearly helping people are interested in saving it um, so they are looking to save up some more money with donations to maybe do a temporary fix on the roof because leaks have gotten really bad. Um, I know that where their like bell tower is in there um, has had severe leaks that will really destroy the building if they don't repair those quickly. And with the recent snow and rain, um, with that weighing on the roof, they've been trying to drain that quickly so that that doesn't all build up and make it cave in worse than it already is. So they're looking at trying to do like a rubber roof in the meantime, just so they can continue to work on stabilization. They've applied for um, this round of capital budget um, and they met with representative richardson and she's given support to um help with the stabilization on the outside so they can maybe try to dedicate their money to the interior so they um they're in the process of really trying to find a solution to make that building safer for people to come in and actually I, use it i have a question or it maybe it's come up at your meetings because you go to all those would they ever sell it to somebody that was going to reinvest in it a private a private company that wanted to put a brewery in or a <laughs> restaurant or something. Yeah, I feel in my like, mind, I feel like they wouldn't. <laughs> I feel they like haven't Richwood. explicitly said that. I think it's because they don't have any interest in that. And they, they're very well aware that in the community they live in, a lot of people don't have a lot of money to donate. So they're not expecting like large sums of donations. So I, I don't mean, if a donor came in, so if, if a business. Not a donor, a buyer. A buyer right. came in and wanted to buy that, fix it up and turn it into something. I mean, because honestly, I see a lot in Richwood and what Marysville was in the 80s and 90s where it has a downtown, doesn't really have a vision, businesses come and go, come and go, come and go. A restaurant comes in, a restaurant goes out. A, you know, a cobbler comes in, a co you know, he right. was there for a long time. But, like, these businesses just come and go because the downtown hasn't changed. It's it's There's no new life breathed into it. It's just available storefronts and, and I get a lot of that vibe out of Richwood whereas if something went in the opera house something big and nice I know you know up in Ada they've got an old armory up there that they turn into an Italian restaurant that mm -hmm. is the main restaurant in town and you know it's it's a 
pretty buzzing thing. It's a little, it's not quite in the middle of the downtown though. You know, in my mind, if I think maybe 20 years ago, I would have said, well, nobody's going to go into Richwood. It's not going to be, even if it was a big, nice restaurant in the opera house, people weren't going to go in there. But as I see more of these, you know, wineries opening up out in the country that people go to that are, that are doing great business, even Ramsey's drive-through, I thought as a drive-through, that's a great thing, but as a pizza shop or live music venue, but I was wrong. Like people will, and they draw from the country out there, people that don't want to drive as far. So it's hard to tell what Richwood might be able to pull into it with the right. It is hard to tell. And I, they've never explicitly talked about that. I have the feeling that they would not want to sell it to anybody unless so. it's going to stay in a community use. I like would, I, they don't, I, I don't think that. they I want it to be that. like a restaurant or anything like that. I think if someone was willing to buy it and have it be where it's a community center or another kind of government office or something like that where the village can still use yeah so i don't think they would eventually and like that the thing that comes up a lot with talking to individuals in richwood is they know people aren't coming to richwood like they know for the farmer's market only people are going to come to the farmer's market there are people that probably live in town because it's not a big farmer's market. It's different than coming to Marysville where there's a lot of things to do. And so they're very open about that and knowing that, like, they don't really have the quite attractions to bring people, which a restaurant or something might be good, but it's so far off of the mm -hmm. main road. Yeah, I think there's kind of maybe a bit of a flaw in that logic, though, because... I get it, Plain City has the benefit of the proximity to Dublin and Columbus, so that certainly benefits them. But like we mentioned before, Plain City was not a destination. People, and maybe it's not to that point yet either, but people were not saying, let's go to Plain City for dinner. But then once they decided, well, what if we put some cool restaurants here? Now people are saying that. So I think if you're stuck in the mindset of, well, people from out of town don't come here, if you never change, nobody is going to. And you maybe you never give them a reason to come. To mm-hmm. And maybe that's what they desire. And I'm not, you know, I'm not in a position to tell them what they should or shouldn't want. And if they do want to keep it insulated and say, hey, we just want this to serve our community. We don't want anyone from out of town here. Then that's their prerogative. But if they're saying, if their thought is, well, we just can't bring anyone from out of town. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And and I think again. Back to Plain City, that this was while it looks like a lot of stuff has happened in the last whatever three to four years. A lot of this started with mm-hmm. with planning and a vision. And this is the culmination years, right, of that. Fifteen years ago, it, it wasn't overnight. It was people being thoughtful and and having a vision and sticking with it. And now it's now it's culminating into you know really nice uptown, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, I'm not sure that I don't see that in Richwood at this point. But it, I mean, and this isn't like the the best example of it. But Mount Victory had the Plaza Inn up there mm-hmm. that you know I think COVID hurt it a lot. But mm-hmm. that place, you know, it had a hook and that it had a grass landing strip where planes could fly in and eat. And you know, and it had some big buffet, and it you know it was built on the side of it like a car mm-hmm. dealership. Right. But. It had food people wanted, yeah. people liked it, it had a hook, and people went there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's Mount Victory. Like, yeah. people will build stuff into their routines if it's the right restaurant or the right attraction, mm-hmm. I guess. And to just say, well, it's Richwood, nobody wants to come there. Well, you know, you need that reason. And mm-hmm. 
but you know, maybe they don't want it. You know what I mean? Maybe they want small, quaint, you know, occasionally people come in, but maybe they don't want that kind of attention, traffic, drive, anything like that. And, you know, that would lead into the, I would tend to agree with you, Allie. I don't know that, I don't know if somebody came in with $3 million in their hand and said, I'd like to buy your opera house and fix it up and make it a brewery, you know, and restaurant. I don't know that they'd sell it either. Um, Because I think there's maybe also fear of if that comes, it would hurt the other restaurants and there's a bar there because it is all so close together in one. But there is a synergy among restaurants. You have to learn to accept that, that it's hard to think that, well, I'd rather be the only restaurant in town, but if you're the only restaurant in town, you go out of business. There is a synergy among making somewhere a destination. And, you know, I get, but that mentality, exactly what you're describing is exactly kind of what, can hold an area back. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want another pizza shop in. That'll put the existing pizza shop mm-hmm. out, or I don't want to bring this in, you know. And it's interesting because Plain City has kind of taken the opposite perspective where Mayor Carney has done a lot to plan um, kind of hops throughout the uptown area where whether it's for retail or um, restaurants where she's, you know, branded things as Valentine's Ladies Night and incentivize businesses to say, hey, we're going to do a little passport. And as people come in, stamp it and give them a coupon. And then, you know, instead of driving businesses to compete against each other, she's kind of worked to say more is better for us. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you can fall on either page, but you have to decide, do you want to draw out of town people? And do you want more to be here or opposite? And It, It happens. And if we want to pivot over to Marysville at this point, you know, Leon's big expansion had their first kind of nationalish uh, act this weekend, had the same group two nights in a row. I was there one night. The next night I drove by and I saw people parking. It was crazy. Like I saw people coming from a lot of directions mm-hmm. where they had parked at different parts mm-hmm. coming, you know, <laughs> clearly heading towards there. The other thing, and I don't know whether it's intentional or they're going to do it this way the whole time or not. The band was kind of done by about 9.30 or 10 o'clock. And a lot of people broke off and went other places around town right. at that point. So you have, you know, you if they do, they've put, according to our story, $4.5 million into Leon's, which let's, let's go back even farther. That was a Napa store right. <laughs> before it was the original Leon's. Now they have basically made a concert venue on the back of that thing, which can bring people in, which if it, depending on the time it gets over, then I spills out everywhere else. You've got that synergy among businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got the, wait a minute, ours is a Mora, right? Yeah. Ours is a Mora where you can walk with your drink and, and conceivably maybe you could leave Leon's with a drink and go mm-hmm. down to Old Bag of Nails because maybe they have someone right. playing on their patio right. later into the evening. You, you know, walk down walk down to Wits and get yourself, you know, mm-hmm. have a nice meal, walk down, get some ice cream or dessert or whatever and... Sorry, Matt. No, <laughs> I take even, your beer with you. But if you're trying to create this image of your uptown as a destination, if you only have one restaurant, how often are people going to come back? But if you have Leon's and this and that and the next one, people start to think of, oh, Marysville is a place we can go to for dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. I think maybe even if you don't know exactly where you want to go, we'll drive. We'll go to Marysville. And mm-hmm. when I was there, I saw the you know, when I went in for that to go to Leon's, I saw they had a fish place across the way or 
they had a ham a little hamburger place, you know, the half pint, you know, or anything like that. Or Sharky's, you know, has put is putting a lot of money into the old the former uh, old town inn and give trying to give something different. The uh, I saw they were doing comedy nights. Yes. Which you know I don't know whether it'll work, but I appreciate the attempt at something different. Uh, Leon's is is trying to do what uh, uh, Christian rock, Christian, Christian rock, rock bands on Wednesdays. Yeah. Again, I don't know if it'll work, but I appreciate the effort. You know, these are things that people haven't tried in town before, and I think that is a that springboards from people putting in new types of spaces and having new visions and realizing, you know, you've also seen kind of an explosion of uh, of trivia nights in in downtown businesses and other bars around here so you know there is there are ways for these businesses that are are trying to grow and and expand downtowns to kind of work together and you know have that synergy create the synergy but still be a little bit but still have your own identity and be a little bit different i think that's what's unique about specifically these two that they're really approaching the entertainment side of a restaurant. Like, they're trying to plan stuff almost every single night um, to have people, like, enjoy while they're eating in addition to just grabbing a drink or something like that. Like, they really want people to stay and be entertained. Oh, Sharky's always interested in the fact that they're they're almost, almost a restaurant and then kind of changing gears when kind of their dinner time is over and making it more of a bar and entertainment area. It sounded like it sounded like they were. Whereas a lot of places will just serve food the whole time. Mm-hmm. It sounded like they were well aware that you know we're going to staff the kitchen to this point, and then we're going to go this other direction. And then you know, there's no denying that Marysville's got a vision for its uptown too. You know, I think I think you could look back and I don't want to say it started with Partners Park, but Partners Park, at least for the summertime gave something unique and a centralized kind of area. Now, it's not dead in the center of the uptown, but it gave a nice kind of community family center there that where people could go off from there and get ice cream at a couple of different places or hot dogs or whatever. And, you know, you're starting to see businesses that are able to not only just open, but they're sticking. Right. You know, whether it's Mad Dogs or Wits or Leon's or Half Pint, you know, through a pandemic, you know, none of the main, I don't know that any of the restaurants other than maybe Ville Grill closed over the course of the pandemic. So now they come out the other side and, you know, you've got kind of diversified offerings of food or ice cream or or other things you know then you've got they're helped out by things that bring people up there on their own whether it be a martial arts studio or dance academies Mm -hmm. that bring people up there i know people that drop their kids off for an hour dance class and then go somewhere um you know and it has something to drink or have have some food and wait when i have a council it's uh, it's a very different experience during the summer because there's a lot of people who park in the in the uptown and then take their kids to you know the martial arts or the cheer or the dance studios whatever and then they go they walk over to partners park and and Mm -hmm. you know if you have a family and one or two of them are maybe in dance class but you have a couple other kids it's always a lot of fun there's always people playing in the park and people you know playing in the little splash pad and um it's always very 
and you have vibrancy you, and you have things you can grab, whether it be ice cream or hot dogs or whatever, and right. walk over there and just hang out and eat that and and, and people watch. Even events like Uptown Friday Nights are really cool too. I mean, I when I was in high school, I lived in Michigan, but have family that lives in Marysville, and we'd come and visit them on long weekends and things. And I can remember going to Uptown Friday Nights when it was like on the courthouse lawn and all the food trucks out and things and. You know, my high school was in Lansing, Michigan, which is very urban and very different than Marysville. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is really cool. Like people come out here and hang out and listen to a band together. And I mean, there's so much more here even in the past few years than back when I was just visiting Marysville. But I think that's the kind of thing that people are like, oh, that's really fun to go to. We don't have anything to do tonight. We can head up there. And naturally, if you're there to watch a band outside, you're going to grab food or I'm, as a high schooler, going to be like, can we please get ice cream tonight and go over to Wits, you know? So I think the cities that do, cities or villages that have a vision for their uptown have really done a good job of supporting the businesses that are in place with events like that. And they've done what they, they used, I think they do it traveling now, but they used to have the movies in the park. Yeah. They do that at Partners, and I think they take it out to Mill Valley some. Yeah, that's, you know... I, I appreciate the fact that at times you will see during Uptown Friday nights, you will see random businesses that have people playing music outside of their business. There were people, you know, a couple of guitar players outside one of the businesses or things like that where they kind of help play into that. And as people just stroll around, well, down this block, I didn't even realize it, but here's here's some music going on. Mm-hmm. You know, those are really just great ideas. And we we're not, haven't even talked about the Avalon you know, and I'm, I'm really appreciative to see that they are trying to run. They're running older movies at times that tie in with the maybe the theme of the time of the year we're right. in, or, or things like that. You know, I think, I think that helps this whole overall idea of bringing people downtown for things to look at, walk around, buy, eat, stay. You know, and that helps them all instead of just one business that and i again i'll echo in the the avalon i love the idea of the of the seasonal seasonal movies as opposed to first run movies you know right now there's a a thousand places i can go to see a first run movie but um as you guys know i will drive 45 minutes to see kind of something special and to do something special with my kids if if it's a seasonal movie one i can't see at the amc or somewhere that's Mm -hmm. you know 10 minutes away i will I'll drive to see it because it's a cool experience mm-hmm. and something I can share with my kids. And so, you know, running, I don't know, you know, the Polar Express or something with it in, in Christmas time. Or I think those are cool. And, and I think they took the I think they took a black eye initially when they kind of pivoted away from movie the idea of a movie theater to, you know, a performing arts center. And while I think it's still that, clearly they are getting movies out there in the forefront right and and you know i would applaud them for doing that i think that's being responsive to kind of the feedback they got now it's not first run movies some people want to first run movies and look we've heard a million times that that just won't go in a theater that size at least they they say it they don't think it go but if they have some element of you know there are a lot of people that would go and see probably the wizard of oz in an old style theater you know, just to have that feeling again of mm-hmm. watching The Wizard of Oz on a big screen or something like that. And I think that's what that theater, mm-hmm. that center needed to be, maybe more so than a... And so I think that's great that they have made that pivot and been responsive. And there again, 
look, your old town, your uptown area is not a modern space. It's not the best use of space. It never is, but it's historic. It has an old timey feel. And we've talked more than once about that Rockwellian idea. You know, you sell, you know, your old streets and alleys and buildings and brick and an old theater like that, that they restored kind of to an original state plays into that. A little ice rink in the middle of the, in the <laughs> middle of the, right. in the middle of the park. Uh, and I think that's where, uh, you know, Donald Berger, uh, who sits on, on city council, really gets some of that and gets the idea of preservation. Uh, and he talked about it at a recent meeting that sometimes people are a little bit overwhelmed by his passion for old buildings and keeping keeping history. Um, and there's there's a fine line between how do you how do you restore an old building and make it how do you do that financially versus how do you you want to restore it but you also want to make sure that people can do it and you know the the easy the easy thing is you look at slate roofs a slate roof is expensive but a roof that looks like slate can be done much more cost effectively and does just as well so you have to kind of find that fine line between keeping the character of the uptown without breaking the bank because if you force someone you say hey you can't buy this building and put a new roof on it you have to put an old roof on it sure they're not going to do it and i think there's and along with that is some of this just what we're talking about this synergistic effect of well if people are coming up for leon's or or you know, Friday night uptown or something at the Avalon or a dance thing, the more people that are coming up there, the more investors might want to buy an old existing building front there and fix it up into something more vibrant. And then that just helps the next Mm -hmm. building, you know, get restored, you know, as opposed to kind of the situation we were talking about in Richwood where it's a lot of individual projects that just keep coming and going or whatever, you know, that idea of, well, now you've made it, and we've know some things about some things that are in the hopper too. That might additional things that might be coming into the the uptown area, not directly uptown area, but the region that will even just kind of further expand that Feed into the uptown. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, and there's there's other things they have plans for. I mean, just like when they took out the old uh, what was the old gas station that they just made a green space. The Swifty. No. It was the one farther down on Fifth Street. Oh, it's just Clark. Clark. Yeah. So they got that out of the way just so, all right, there's not just a dilapidated thing. We've got homes, then we've got this. If Swifty ever gets, I think Swifty was on, was that on the agenda last night or it wasn't, something but there's, coming up? Um, they, are, they've applied for some state funding to help um, rehabilitate that. So I don't yeah, know if rehabilitate, yeah, clean it up, you know. So you do things like that. You, you start dragging hurdles out of the way and it makes the process that much easier when things do want to come in and you know you start to see that ball rolling i think i think 20 years from now people are going to look back at what our original uptown area was considered and it's going to it's going to expand two or four blocks in either direction right you know in every direction probably you know i don't think it's inconceivable that the downtown eventually is almost considered to the, what is that, south, expanding over towards Memorial Hospital. Yeah. I could see that, too, especially with that new bar across from Dollar General, like people moving over there. You've already got, you know, the library's in there. It's kind of a nice little conduit to that. I mean, there's a lot of directions that Uptown can go 
and yeah, I think when when they put City Hall where they did, and mm-hmm. obviously you have the library there, people kind of I think saw that as the bookend yeah. to the uptown. But I don't. And if that I, event center goes in, kind of over where um, the stockyard yeah, was, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of ways that you know you almost start pulling the the downtown area like silly putty in a lot of different directions and kind of reforming what people think of as that center of town and it can open up you know other buildings to be real rehabilitated or whatever else keeping that walking walkable well it, they make it walkable they they have the doors in i think you start to run into more of the the issue leon's ran into with music in a, in a residential area because you start blending those things if you start moving that direction but but yeah. I know that's been that's yes. been a problem. That was a problem with. I think it's called the walking distance bar yes. brewery. Yes, the one there uh, across from Dollar General. But uh, and we've seen that play out with the greenery. I mean, a big chunk of last year, Plain City, a lot of residents were coming out to speak about a potential change to their noise ordinance. So there are definitely growing pains that come with trying to add these attractions sure. to historically maybe more residential areas yeah but i think the you know we talk about it but there was a meeting where would the you know the idea was expressed hey would you rather this just stay in old napa and the response from the resident was yes yeah um, yeah when nobody visits that old napa when they were talking about yeah changing changing the napa store over to leon's aren't you happier that it's leon's now instead of the old napa store no no <laughs> that napa store is quiet that was a good jar- that was a jarring but there's no there's no denying if you if you watch the people pouring into the uptown there was there were people parking everywhere mm-hmm. trying to get to leon's new event space over there you know, because it's big, and it, honestly, they can have bigger shows, and there were, it was still filling up the downtown with people. So uh, there's kind of nowhere to go but up with that, you know. And they, I know they've got more plans in the future for different things, or you know, whether it be parking or whatever. So yeah, parking is one of those things they've got to address. But they're yeah. working on a rendering for parking in the back because they're really distinguishing. Leon's and what they call Leon's Live, the new entertainment space. So you actually enter Leon's Live from the back yeah. as the main entrance, and so there should be parking that they're planning to have back there, and then also like street parking, like across Fourth Street. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's I'm that's I didn't realize they were going to brand that as Leon's Live, and then that'd be really they treat those as separate. You've created up. Mm-hmm. You, you'll have then you've got House of Spirits there. You'll have three right. separate entities Synergy right within, with itself. Yes, yeah. within the same ownership. And it's interesting because Chad, I know you've been there. That wall in between when you enter from Leon's Garage into Leon's Live, mm-hmm. apparently that will be opened up when they do their kitchen renovation. Mm-hmm. So it should be more open, but yeah. they really are trying to distinguish. I went in from the rear entrance on the side, and it's it. I didn't even walk into the old part. It. You just go into the new part, and it is a big open room, and uh, it's pretty impressive. It's they definitely have the potential to bring in bigger acts, bigger bands, and bigger anything. Quite honestly, whether it's uh, <laughs> Christian rock bands, or I know this coming well Thursday night, which will be the night this this episode goes up. Uh, they're doing QFM ninety six is trying doing the Battle of the Bands thing for their own house band so they're bringing in theory that's going to bring people in from out of town absolutely you know, to check it out and you know I think that's a great I think that's a great well, idea because what that does is look bands 
part of bands, fan groups are other bands. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have little regional bands, smaller regional bands like these will be. So you'll have other bands coming up here to watch their friends up on stage and they're like, Jesus, I'd like to play. I'd play that place. You know, and maybe they book for a Thursday night or an opening act or something like that. Having come up here to see, having seen this. and That's a good point because even when I did that interview with um, Jonathan Farr, when he he's a Grammy-nominated artist from Richwood, he would have to go on to Columbus to, like, do any acts and DJ, but now there's a space here so close by to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely different. All right, well, that's the show for this week. Thank you guys for all the good information, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you like what you hear, please be sure and subscribe to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast pages. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and many other places where your podcasts are available. So be sure to tune into the show next week, and we'll see you on Thursday.